electronic device, you'll have to put in Third John chapter 1, verse 2. Even though there's just one chapter, you've got to put it down. And by the way, I don't think our Wi-Fi is working today. Our Internet uh, got messed up when the, the electricity went off on Tuesday and it hadn't come back alive yet, but we'll get it. It's working? Internet's working? Uh, okay, you got it You got it rigged up, huh? Anyway, Wi-Fi's doing good. Let's go ahead. Everybody say amen. Third John, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, I want you to notice what he said. I pray. Now, this is... I know this is John, but I'm one of those fanatics that believe that every word of the Bible is inspired. And I believe it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. I remember one time I went to Bible school at uh, over in uh, uh, Mississippi. And one of the, one of the teachers, and, and I respected him real well, he, has a, he taught a New Testament survey. And when he come to talking about Paul, he said Paul would always begin his letters in the flesh and end up in the Spirit. Well, I just couldn't accept that then, and I still don't accept it now. Now, John wrote this. But if every word is inspired and there's some of them that's not, then when, where do we know the difference, right? So I just take them all as being inspired. And here, uh, who inspired John to write? Well, the Holy Spirit inspired him. God through the Holy Spirit, inspired John to write. So when he writes these things, this is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. So the Holy Spirit is saying to us, I pray, you know the Holy Spirit prays? Did y'all know that? Is that a shock to any of you to know that the Holy Spirit prays? Well, He makes intercession for us in Romans 8. It says that. He makes intercession for us because He knows the heart and mind of God, and we don't. So He makes intercession for us and helps us pray the will of God in our life. So here the Holy Spirit is saying, I pray for you that you may prosper in all things. Now, when we say prosper, mind you that so many people, their thought goes to dollar signs. We look at somebody that's got a big fine automobile or big fine pickup truck and a nice boat and and a big house, and we think, boy, they're sure prosperous. Well, they may be in one area, but still, though, you don't know what kind of bills they're paying each month to pay for all that stuff either, you know. And, uh, well, at least they got the money to pay for it. Well, I'm not going to argue with you about that. But prosperity is not just financial. Financial is a part of it, okay? Financial is a part of it. But you can be the richest man in the world and be poor spiritually, physically, emotionally, and in your family. Don't care how much money you got. And so you can take that in each one of those areas if you want to. But I believe God wants us to prosper in all things. And and, and this next part says, and be in health. Now, I believe He wants us to be healed. Don't you? But above that, He wants us to be in health. Walk in health. Live in health. Again, in every area of our life, not just physical. See, when we think of health, a lot of people think it's just that that here, you know, that we're talking about the physical part. Well, that's included in it. 
But God wants us to have a healthy spirit, a healthy mind, a healthy family, a healthy bank account, a healthy relationship, and He wants us to have a healthy body. Okay? And, uh, you know, that's one thing that we've, so many of us, has failed on. We've worked hard to keep our spirit up to date and going, and that we need to. Then we let our bodies go the other way. Now, I'm meddling, I know. Now, to show you, to help you understand that this is a total being thing that he's talking about here, let's look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. We've got to understand that Christ died so that we could be healthy in every area of our lives. We're a three-part being. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole, everybody say whole, spirit, soul, and body. You notice he's talking about the whole thing here. Every bit of us, not just part of us. Be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in case you, I, I'm, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Uh, whatever version you got, it's going to tell you the same stuff. They say it in different words. It's going to have the same thing, okay? So don't, don't get afraid. Well, his Bible don't read like my Bible does. Well, we're saying the same thing, right? We're a three-part being. We are a spirit. Our identity on earth is seen through this, heaven, uh, through this body, but our identity in heaven is seen through our spirit. And, and, and I believe, too, that if, if, if my spirit came out of this body and could stand here and you could see it, uh, after you got over the shock, and if this body could stand up long enough, see, this body can't stand up without the spirit in it. You know that, don't you? But the Spirit would look like me. People say, well, we're going to know each other in heaven. Yeah, we're, we're not going to be some mysterious kind of thing in heaven. Christ, the, the difference in Christ when He came out of the grave was that He was glorified, not that He was changed into some strange creature. He was glorified. That was the difference in Him. That's the reason they couldn't recognize Him is because that they were not looking for that. They were looking for that old beat-up, bloody mess that hung on the cross. But He was glorified because he, he did the will of the Father. So we are a spirit. The real me, the real who I am, the real who you are, is a spirit. Let me tell you something about that spirit. And that spirit was made alive with the very Spirit of God. You remember when God made Adam? He picked him up face to face. There again, if you could have, if you could have been there, you would have saw God holding Adam up, and it would have looked like God was looking in a mirror because what he saw was the exact image of himself. But he did something that no other creature on this earth can claim any asset to or, or get to get in. Get in. I'll get my words right here in a minute. All right? And like I told a little girl the other day, I got my tongue in front of my eye tooth and couldn't see what I was saying there for a minute. But he, he Adam looked... Like God, God made him in His exact image and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being functioning like God. But that man was a spirit being. Now, he had a physical body, but he was a spirit being. 
We are a spirit being. Now, whether you're born again or not born again, you are a spiritual being. If you're still not saved, you have a you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Okay? That's, that's characteristic of all people. People only have that. Animals do not have that. People only have that thing right there. So we are a spirit. We have a soul. What is the soul? A lot of people think that the soul and the spirit are the same. No, the soul is the seat of the mind, emotions, and will. When somebody, when somebody uh, says, I have a mind to do something, they're talking about a part of their soul. Our emotions come from that part of us. Uh, and, and our wills. Now, we either will to do like we want to do, like the devil wants to do, when we need to be willing like God wants to do. Our mind, emotion, and will. Then we have a body. Uh, Charles Capps, I used to listen to years ago, he called the body the earth suit. And he said, you can't live on this earth without an earth suit. Just like if you were to go to the moon, you got to have a moon suit. Okay? Because you can't live on the moon without a moon suit. So we can't live on this earth without an earth suit. And this body is our earth suit. When we leave this body, this body's through. And when we leave this body, we're not going to wander around and live in somebody's barn and appear to people every now and then. <laughs> we're not going to live up in somebody's attic. No. When we leave this body... A child of God is going to heaven, and a child of the devil is going to go somewhere else. So, spirit, soul, and body. God wants us healthy in each one of them, in every aspect. Some say that healing in the Bible is only spiritual. I had a fellow tell me that not long ago, and I mean, he sort of got a little bit stiff-lipped about it, too. He said... People talk about healing, healing your body. He said all healing in the Bible is spiritual healing. He said because if if God healed everybody's body, how would you ever die? And I could tell he was upset, and so I didn't go any further. And I, I just wanted to say, so easy, quit breathing. Just quit breathing. Folks, there's nowhere in this book it says that you have to be sick to die. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> the blessing of Abraham, this, I'm, I'm going to get off my message. I'm not going to run a rabbit. I'm going to just stay right with it, but I'm going to, that's not in my message, but I'll get it later, but I've got to say it now. Galatians chapter 3 says that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, that the blessing of Abraham, might come upon us. The blessing of Abraham. And when we think about the blessing of Abraham, folks, he was blessed in so many different ways. He was blessed with wealth. He was blessed with a family. He was blessed to have a relationship with God. And he was blessed with a long life. God told him. He, when, when God <clears throat> spoke the blessing to him, he said, you're going to have a seed. And from him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And, and there'll come a time when they'll go into Egypt, and they'll be there 400 years. 
and they'll come out, and I'll bring them out with a strong hand, and they'll be blessed. And he told me, that's a prophecy. That was 400 years before Egypt. But he blessed him there. 200 years before Egypt, I'm sorry. But he blessed him in that. But then he said this to him. He said, but then it's for you. You will go to be with your father. You will die in a good old age, and you'll go to be with your fathers in peace. That's what he told him. Now, the word peace, and we'll see this in a few minutes, so maybe I'm not getting off my message too bad. That word peace is the, is the Hebrew term for peace, and it's shalom, and it means hello, and how you doing, and that kind of thing. But it also means to be at ease with God, to be at ease with your fellow man. It means to be healthy and wealthy. Well, Abraham had all these others, and when it come time for him to die, he had, he had, God had blessed him so to where that everywhere he went, they would ask him to leave because he was richer than the king of that country was. Could you just move on out? You're making our king look bad. But at 175 years old, it tells me, and I believe it's in Genesis 25, that Abraham gathered his feet up to himself and went on to be with his fathers. He just died. He just quit living. He said, well, he died of old age. He just quit living. He could have died at a hundred and died of old age. Right? He could have died at a hundred and twenty and died of old age. But when he got to be a hundred and seventy-five, there's no record of any kind of disease, any kind of physical problem. Man, there wasn't even a camel record drive-by sword stabbing. <laughs> Nothing. He just died. Why can't we walk in that same blessing of Abraham? And when we die, when it comes time to go, just say, Father, into your hand, I commend my spirit and go. Now, let me get back on the main subject here. Healing is for the spirit, the soul, which is the mind, emotion, and will, and it's for the body. And we see this in Isaiah 53. Verses 4 and 5, I want, I want them to put this up from the Amplified Translation. Surely He has borne our griefs, that is our sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses. Boy, it covers a whole lot right there, doesn't it? Sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses. And He carried our sorrows and the pain of punishment, our pains. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted as, as if with leprosy. But, I, I like when God says something and then puts a but in it because you, he's fixing to say, Hey, look, here's what I want you to see in this. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needed to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made, what's that last word? Whole. You see that? With his stripes, we're healed and made whole. Let me, let me break this down for you here. The word transgression means rebellion, sin, trespass. So he was wounded. He took punishment for our transgression. Iniquities is translated as perversity. Evil, mischief. It's what some old Bible teachers called inbred sin. But he took the punishment necessary 
so that you and I could be, could be delivered and set free in the area of sin. Now, sin is a, is a problem of the Spirit. See, now I'm born again. And my spirit man, my real me, who I am, is to grow in the Lord to where that I overcome and my mind gets renewed and I bring my body in check. Because if I let either one of these sin, it's a spirit problem. It's not a problem with my body. Jesus said you cut your hand off, still sin. Cut your foot off and still sin. Gouge your eye out and still sin. No, so our body is not what's sinful, it's an instrument of sin. Our minds are an instrument of sin. And our spirit man is to be to the point to where that we say that we learn the language of no. Tell our mind to quit thinking that junk. Tell our mind to quit imagining that and then begin to imagine good things, think on good things. Tell our body, no, you're not having that, you're not doing that, you're not going there, you're not watching that, you're not listening to that. Learn to say no, folks. He died for our spirit being, spirit part, because that's where sin lies in mankind. Then we find that he, the chastisement, the punishment necessary for us to have peace. Peace is, is a soulish thing. Where, when you get trouble, where's it at? In your mind, isn't it? You, your mind gets troubled and you all of this stuff begins to come in and negative thoughts begin to come in there and you see things through the eye gate and that comes into your mind and, and, and it brings... All kind of stuff begins to happen, and you get to imagine it. I can't make it through this. I can't do that. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. And pe- and there's no peace. There's no everything's turmoil in your in your being because that in your soul, your mind is so troubled. And along with that, then comes your emotions. See, emotions get fired up especially when there's calamity going on in our minds and there's no peace there. Emotions get fired up. That's one reason. I, I sat in a class the other day uh, on bus driver recertification, and they showed a film on road rage. And, you know, I've heard But I tell you what, this was actual uh, surveillance footage of people in road rage. And I sat there and I watched that. And, I, and you know what? I come to realize that the reason that people are in road rage is because they, for so long they've got agitated about somebody cutting them off or blowing them off the road or flipping them off or whatever. And so now then they start thinking on that because other people are doing it. This other stuff plants thoughts and other people are doing it until one day they run somebody off the road and they want to get out and fight them. There was a picture of a school bus. And one of the kids was being a kid, but throwed something out the window, and it hit the windshield, didn't bust it, but hit the windshield of this man. And he turned around and followed it to his next stop, got out and beat on the door trying to get in, and, and, and the bus driver wouldn't let him in, and he started off, and the guy ran around and jumped on the bumper, front bumper of the bus and was holding on and hollering, and they was bleeping, bleeping, bleeping. I mean, him, him doing this, and... And so the guy was trying to get in touch with the police station. All the time he was driving to the police station with a guy on front of his truck and, and on the front of his bus, and they got him. I thought, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) 
People let their emotions run away with them too much. In so many ways. And they sit and they contemplate in their mind what they're going to say and how they're going to react in situations. Now, don't, don't tell me you don't do that because we all do it. There's times that, I mean, you know, somebody, we know we're going to have to be around somebody that we've had problems with and, and we'll start playing this thing. Man, I'm telling you what, if they say anything, I'm going to be all over them. And you get together and they say something and it's on. Why? Because you set off over here and you did not allow the peace of God that Jesus died for to come and keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus and you got in all this turmoil and I mean all up about yourself and then whenever it happened you blew up. The fuse was already lit. But Jesus died to help us with that kind of thing so that it wouldn't be there. See, uh, people that are always having trouble and they're always negative. Negative all the time. People can't see any good. They, I mean, there's folks that's that way. They go to a ball game, they can't see any good. They can't tell when one of them kids make a good play out there because they're aggravated over here, and all they want to do is run a coach down, and, and why didn't you hit that ball? Why didn't you catch that ball? And They don't think about the 15 they caught before they missed that one. And you say, you may not have them. You go over here to park and wreck game. Come on, tell me I'm right, Bo. Or you go to the boys' baseball game or the girls' softball game. You go. And you'll hear people doing that just on and on and on. And it's always negative, always negative, always negative. Peace means to be well, happy, friendly, health, prosperity, safe. I found this thing the other day I was reading. Did you know that in America, one in six adults has some kind of mental condition? One in six. Now, don't go around counting. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Boy, it's got to be them. It's not me. <laughs> One in every 100 adults has severe mental problems. Folks, can you see why it's important for us to increase in, in soulish health? helped in our soulish realm and allow this peace of God to come and, and to, to, to renew our mind, not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I, I'm, I wasn't going to... Anyhow, I'm just introducing you all to the rest of the month today, okay? Stripes. He took stripes. That's blows that cut in. That's what that means. Blows that cut in. It, I mean, it reduced his body, like we talked about last Sunday, to, to where it looked like hamburger meat hanging there on the cross. Reduced his body to that. And it was cut in. And he took those stripes for our healing. According to what we understand, he took 39 stripes. 39. Oh. And science tells us, Medical science tells us that there's 39 major categories of diseases. And do you know what one of those categories is? The unknown ones. So they're just constantly adding to that. But he, whatever, whatever the physical sickness is, Jesus took a stripe for that. Whatever the spiritual problem is, Jesus took punishment for that. Whatever the mental, soulish problem is, emotional problem is, Jesus took punishment for that when He hung on the cross. Why? 
do we go on and carry these things when there's already a remedy and a place we can go? Say, I believe. Now, you, you can disagree with me if you want to, and that's fine. You, this is your prerogative. I'm not telling you you've got to believe just exactly this to come to church here. But you'll hear it time and again and keep getting offended, and I don't want you to do that. I believe that all problems that people have originate with the devil. I believe that. Well, he brought that on his own self. Well, yes, he did by his actions and the things that he did, but the problem originated with the devil. The devil is the author of all that comes against you and me to take away from us. Now, you notice I said take away from us. There's times that we go through things and God will allow us, God will lead us, God will bring us through things to strengthen us. But God's not creating that to strengthen you. It's there. Life's going to be there. Why? Because Satan's alive and well on planet earth, folks. Don't, Don't ever think that he's not. And he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking. He's watching. He's trying to get a hold of. But there's times that a storm will come up and Jesus will speak to that storm. But there's other times he's going to come and take you through it. And then there's still other times that he is going to speak to you and calm you in that storm. I, I, I'd rather just him speak and there'd never be any problem, wouldn't you? Jesus speak. And then he speaks to me and says, you just peace be still. Storm's going to blow. You just peace be still. Peace be still. I believe that Satan's against us. Oh, but I've got good news for you this morning. In uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, listen to what the Word of God says. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, and the Amplified Bible says, But he who commits sin who practices evil doing, is of the devil, takes his character from the evil one. That's somebody that is practicing sin, and I trust there's nobody in here this morning that fits in that category, but if it is, then that's to you. Practice sin means that you, you make a habit out of sin, things that you know is wrong, and you just keep going and doing it and doing it and doing it. There's a label for you. For the devil has sinned, violated the divine law from the beginning, Listen to this. The reason the Son of God was made manifest, visible on this earth, was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works of the devil that he has done. Jesus came, folks, so that the things that come in this life don't grab a hold of us and pull us down, but we still walk in victory regardless of what may be going on. Mm. John 10.10, it says, Jesus said, the thief. Everybody say the thief. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. The thief. But then he said something opposite that. He said, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, let's let's, let's use some, some good spiritual reasoning right here for a minute. It's simple. But if Jesus has come to give us life, and there's a thief that's come to, dis- to steal, kill, and destroy. That's to take away all of that life. Then who might that be? It's the devil, isn't it? Isn't he opposite of Jesus? Isn't he the adversary? Isn't he the one that's set against us? Isn't he the deceiver of the brother? Isn't he the one going about to, uh, to, as a roaring lion to steal, kill, and destroy us? 
But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have that more abundantly. Listen, sin is an incurable, terminal disease that can only be healed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I agree. Healing is spiritual. But it's not all that. That's not the end of it there. See, He took upon Him what was necessary for us to have peace. There's three areas of peace that I want to talk about in a minute. One is peace with God. Another one is peace with our fellow man. And then peace with ourselves. Think about this. Peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know why being a sinner is so miserable? Because there's no peace involved in that. You don't have any peace with God. And it's man, God made man to be at peace with Him. To be at one with Him. Sin came and sin destroyed that. But when Jesus came and died on the cross, He took that out of the way, broke down that middle wall, and made a way so that I could come through His blood and there again have peace with God. I don't have to run from God anymore. I don't have to look over my shoulder and see if God's double-clutching a bolt of lightning to hit me in the back of the head while I'm running. He's not doing that anyway. I used to think He was. I used to say, and I'd hear it. Oh, I'd heard, heard it from mother and daddy, more so from mama. Better be careful what you do, boy. Got to get you for that. Got to get you for that. Y'all ever heard that? Got to get you. Got to get you. Or here's one. We'd be going out and she'd say, Now you boys mind what you're doing because you don't want Jesus to come back while you're out. <laughs> for a while that worked. <laughs> But I thank God that when I came to Jesus, April the 2nd, 1969, 49 years ago, when I came to Jesus, I obtained peace with God through Jesus Christ. I've never been the same since and don't want to be, the, don't want to be different anymore. See, when we're justified, the war between us and God's over with. Now, when we sin after we're saved, is that, is that wrong to say it that way? I mean, it's the truth. We don't, we're not supposed to sin, but we do. The turmoil that comes there is not with God. It's not on God's part. It's on our part. And it's there until we come before God and say, Father, I, I've sinned. And I confess that I've sinned. And I ask you to forgive me that sin, and I receive your forgiveness and your cleansing from that unrighteousness in my life. And I'm determined to walk, pick up from here and walk on. God's not standing there condemning me. If there's condemnation over things in my life, that's not God. That's that old thief doing that. To try to destroy my peace with God. For five years after I got saved, that worked. And then one day I found Romans 8.1, it didn't work anymore. Romans 8.1 says that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Folks, I tell you what, I was with a preacher friend of mine out around an oak tree and shouted that night whenever I got a hold of that. No condemnation. I don't have to go on under this junk any longer. I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, this, this is given to us through the blood of Christ on the cross. 
Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, 20. Did I have that one down, Bo? If I didn't, forgive me. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself. By Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Wow. God's a God of peace. And God wants to impart and share with all of us everything that He has. He, he's given it to Jesus and we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ, you know. That means that we have access to this. Romans 15.33 says this, Now the God of peace be with you all. The God of peace. Second Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The Lord of peace Himself give you peace. Peace. Hebrews 13.20 says, Now may the God of peace who brought our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory forever. Give you peace. God of peace. Give you peace. Then Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9.6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Thank you, Jesus. I want to close this this morning by coming back to what he did for us on the cross to emphasize that he died for us completely. Spirit, soul, body, family, social, financial, every way you could imagine. It's what I call the great exchange, and I'm sure you've heard this talked about before. But in the great exchange, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that He took my sin and gave me His righteousness. Folks, you talk about something that I didn't deserve. I didn't, you didn't. It says, For God made Him, who knew no sin, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. God made Him sin. He took my sin and gave me His righteousness. What an exchange. I'm talking about how great Can you imagine that to be? He took my sicknesses and gave me His healing. Isaiah 53, 5, we done talked about that, but He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. He took my defeats, and it seemed like sometimes He's still taking those because it seemed like sometimes a battle is hard. And even though I walk with the Lord and look to Him. There's times that I may, for whatever reason, experience a defeat. But listen, He took my defeat and gave me His victories and declared me to be more than a conqueror. Romans 8, uh, 37 says, Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. More than a conqueror. Man, I'm telling you, you think about He conquered death, hell, and the grave, overcome the devil, overcome everything of this world. 
And then he looks at us, his church, and says, you're more than a conqueror. Why? Because he's won the victory and gave it to us. Mm. He took my weaknesses and gave me his strength. And, and folks, here lately, I've been relying on that verse, on this aspect of the great exchange more than I have in a long time for whatever reason. I've been, I've been changing my eating. And you know how easy it is for us to say, well, man, you know, I could do that, but cornbread's my weakness. Banana pudding's my weakness, you know. But I realized if I was going to do this, just as He give me strength to overcome things in my life, things that you may deem okay, but they were not for me, I find the strength of God to walk in this thing. For a month now, I've been talking about how easy this is. And I've been thanking God for His strength for a month this past Thursday. And I've lost 17 pounds. And folks, I'm here to tell you, I find it not only in this area of food and appetite, but I find it in other areas as well. Any time that I see myself weak, I rely on His strength. Oh, we need to get a hold of that lesson. And understand that when we're weak, then in Him we're strong because He took our weaknesses and gave us His strength. Second Corinthians 12, 10 says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. Now, he don't, that, now what, I'm not, I want you to understand, he's not saying I shout up and down because I'm in trouble and things are coming against me and I've got distress and all that. He said, No, I take pleasure because I know that when I'm weak, He makes me strong. He took my weaknesses and gave me His strength. For when I am weak, then I'm, am I strong. He took my poverty and gave me His riches. And this is, you can look at this from a spiritual standpoint, or you can look at it from a natural financial standpoint. He took our poverty. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might become rich. Rich in grace, rich in love, rich in the things that we need upon this earth. What do you mean rich? That don't mean that you're just rolling with more, more than you ever know how to do with and you become stingy and reclusive and don't have anything for anybody. No, it means, I'm going to tell you something, folks. We live in a country where we can say that our needs are met. You talk about rich, how rich we are here in this nation. Then he took my ungodly way of thinking and gave me the mind of Christ. Think about that. Took that old sinner thing and gave me the mind of Christ. And I have to work on that. I have to, I have to develop that into my life and develop that into my mind. But 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's something you ought to be confessing every day over yourself. Instead of confessing, well, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my mind. I, your people say, well, they say the first thing to go is the mind. And we, we'll talk that. Man, I'm getting forgetful. My sometimers is setting in. Just think of all the things that we say. Whenever we ought to be confessing, I have the mind of Christ. I'm going to tell you something. 
I can get along with nearly anything that you might say to me. But whenever you talk about, say, remarks about my mind going or things like that, which I don't believe it is, it offends me. I'll just be honest with you. I have the mind of Christ. Now, I get over it quick. I'm not going to rise up and cause road rage. That'd be some church rage because you got offended. Hey, that's happened in places, you know. Pastor's got church rage. No. I get over it quick, but I'm telling you, folks, let's quit talking this junk about each other because He's given us the mind of Christ. And then He said that we can renew that mind and that we can grow in that. And we can be as sharp in our mind at 90 or 100 as we were at 20 or 30 if, if we'll just look to Him and trust Him for it. Yeah, but yeah, but you see, that's one problem in the church nowadays. There's too many yeah buts. You know why people say, yeah, but it's because they base it on somebody else's experience instead of what says the Word of God. I'm so thankful today that He wants me to increase in every area of my life, but He wants me to increase in health. The next few Sundays in this month, we're going to be preaching and sharing with you about health and about healing. I'm going to shock you with something just now as you stand with me. One thing that we're going to discuss is that Christians need to quit expecting miracles and start believing God through faith for healing. Hallelujah.